So, that's Sunday the 11th, Union Service, Waterkloof. Sunday the 18th, Baptism Service, right here. That's where we're going, church. That's where we're going to be going. So, where are we today? Where are we today, though? And you know me, in order for us to know where we are today, we've got to look back to where we've been. So, can you believe it? Four weeks ago, four weeks ago, we started the Grind of the Grace series as we journeyed through, began navigating and journeying through the book of James. That was four weeks ago. And just to remind you, James is the younger half-brother of Jesus Christ, who was not a believer um, when Jesus, in his 33 years on the earth, he was not a believer until Jesus was crucified and then resurrected. And then he was like, okay, well, I get this thing. You're definitely Lord and Savior. And so he then uh, becomes a Christian, becomes on fire for the Lord, and actually becomes a senior leader within Jerusalem, the church in Jerusalem, a senior leader within the, the, the church in Jerusalem. And then what he does is he writes this letter. In fact, it's one of the earliest letters, uh, New Testament letters. He writes this letter, pens this letter to cr- Jewish Christians, so, so Jewish people who have become Christians, who are scattered throughout the Palestine area and who are living in predominantly uh, Gentile areas. Okay, So they're, they're persecuted people, they're minorities, um, and so they're definitely going through a tough time. That's who he's writing to. He's writing to people that are fighting and facing external trials. I mean, they're a persecuted people, they're a minority. But he also writes to a people facing internal trials. Okay, So they're also facing internal trials. And this is what they're facing. They're facing the fact that they've, as, as Jewish, um, previous Jewish believers, they believed in the law for the majority of their lives. And so they believe that if I do A, B happens, and that's what I need to do right to get, get right with God. So I need to do things. And so a number of these people are now wrestling with their prideful flesh because, hey, this is what we do. We do, we do these things. And so we're kind of, um, uh, we, we're becoming prideful. On the other hand, you've got people that have just kind of taken grace to the other extreme and said, hey, it's no longer about the law. It's no longer about anything. In fact, we're just kind of, uh, we're saved by grace, so everything's cool. We don't need to change the way we live. And it's specifically these people that, that he's addressing in the text that we're coming to today. Kind of almost like this idea that they've been wooed by the idea of grace, but they haven't been transformed by grace. That's who he's talking to. They've been wooed by the idea of grace, not transformed by grace. And so that's who he's writing to very much as we come to this, this text. Then two weeks ago, Steve took us through um, James's words on how the church, this church, should first and foremost respond to trials. Did anyone remember that? I listened to it and it said that we should, we should respond in pure joy. We should count it joy when we're, counting, when we're facing trials. And then last week, Oni took us through how we need to lean in or press into worship and honor God when we're facing these trials and temptations. We need to rely on the power of the gospel, rely on community. And so today, I have the privilege of taking us through James's super practical imperatives, fancy word for instructions, on how the church is to live out the gospel in times of trial. Internal trials and external trials. Trials of the flesh, trials of sin, and external trials 
trials that are happening outside of my control, maybe it's sickness, maybe it's persecution, he's telling them this is how you need to behave when these trials come. Practically behave. So like I said, I mentioned that this church in 48 to 62 AD, that's kind of when they reckon James wrote, this church is facing trials. There are persecuted people. But how are we doing at Rooted Fellowship today? Are we facing trials? Are we facing internal trials? Are we raging against the flesh? Are we getting down? Are we giving in to pride? Are we facing persecution? Some would say no, some would say yes. Are we facing hardships out of our control? I know I am. And so I think it's safe to say that many of us are. And so that is who James is writing to today. I thank you for your patience. It's good to recap and get everyone on one page. Um, because maybe you haven't been in a while. Maybe you're new. Maybe you're not even a Christian. Maybe you're here just kind of searching, searching for answers, searching for some kind of clarity in the midst of all the struggles that you're facing. It's important to say that all are welcome at Rooted Fellowship. Dumalang, Lia Mochetre, Momochai, Siana Mugela, Rooted Fellowship. Welcome to church. Welcome, Bayon's Gak. Our text today comes from James 1. James 1, verses 19 to 27. James 1, verses 19 to 27. Allow me to pray for us before we dive into this amazing text. Lord God, we thank you for the privilege it is to be able to gather as family, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that in you, Jesus Christ, we are united as your people here at Rooted Fellowship in the great city of Pretoria, in our great nation, South Africa, Lord. Lord, thank you that we have brothers and sisters in this room, Lord. Thank you that we can come to you as your people, one body. We thank you, Lord, that we can celebrate the diversity that exists, but at the same time, we can celebrate our unity in Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, that we can worship you. And so, Lord, we lift up your name, Jesus Christ, in this place today. We worship you. We praise you. We adore you, Lord, for you are constant in an ever-changing world. You are powerful. You are mighty to save, Lord. You're a loving, good, good Father. And as we come to the text this morning, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would, would bring to mind the things we need to hear, Lord God. Lord God, that you would use me to, to speak truth this morning, Lord God. I pray for your people, or all of us here, to open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, our minds to your message this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would lead us in this time as you have been leading us, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness. Illuminate your word before us today now. Lord, may the meditations of our hearts and our minds be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. James 1, verses 19 to 27. This is what he says. Know this, my beloved brothers and sisters. He's speaking to everyone there. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, 
which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but rather a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Thank you, Lord, for your word. So James is writing to the church in a time of trial, temptation, and I wanted you to note, maybe, maybe you saw it already, he identifies behaviors that only a genuine faith in Jesus Christ produces. That's what he does in this, in this text. He identifies behaviors that only a genuine faith in Jesus Christ produces. He zones in on what I like to call the, the fruit of the faith. Not, not the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, but he zones in on, on what I like to call the fruit of the faith, the fruit of being a Christian. James tells us how to walk the Jesus walk, not how to, ch- to talk the churchy religious talk. That's what he's doing. He's telling us how to walk the Jesus walk, not talk the church talk. And so our message for today is the fruit of the faith. Because in this text, James 1, 19 to 27, he identifies the fruit of genuine faith. And I'm not going to lie to you, our coffee here on any Sunday morning you know is epic. And that'll wake you up. But when I read this text this morning, it woke me up. It was a wake-up call once again. Okay, because this was pretty much like, wow, that's the fruit of the faith. Wow. But this is the beautiful thing about this text. James tells us exactly what to do as we seek the ground of the grace. So he says these are the indicators, essentially. He says this is the indicators. But if you don't have these, he tells you what to do. So remember we were talking about what do you do to distract yourselves from negative habits? What do you do if you don't have these things? Well, he tells us, do this. We'll get into that. So he doesn't just identify the fruit of the faith. He tells us how to plant it, how to care for it, how to grow it, nurture it. And how does he do that? So how does James tell us how to grow the fruit of the faith. He does it in three ways. He says, hear the word. He then says, receive the word. And then he says, obey or follow the word. Hear the word, receive the word, and then obey and follow the word. But how cool is this? We saw a couple of weeks ago when we were preaching on uh, Made for Fellowship, it was the final, final, final uh, episode in that series, made for fellowship, we saw that in John 1 verse 1, Jesus is referred to 
as the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus is the Word, right? So when James essentially says, hear the Word, he says, hear Jesus. When he says, receive the Word, he's saying, receive Jesus. And when he says, obey the Word, he says, obey and follow Jesus. Don't worry what's happening here. Just listen to what I'm saying. Hear the word, hear Jesus. Receive the word, receive Jesus. Obey or follow the word, obey and follow Jesus. That's what he's saying. But don't take my word for it. Let's look together. James 1 verses 19 to 20. We'll pull that up. James 1 verses 19 to 20. This is where he says, hear the word. Okay? James 1 verses 19 to 20. He says, Know this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Let every person be quick to hear. Hear what? We often think, okay, it's hear one another, and yes, that's true. But as with everything, our relationship with God on the vertical reflects in our relationship on the horizontal. So we tend to think, okay, I need to listen more to my spouse or my friend. Yes, you do. But we also need to listen more to God. So I know this changed changed me when I was going through this. How many times do I listen to God before I go into that stressful meeting? How many times am I listening to God before I go into that stressful interaction with my friend, spouse, my boss? How many times am I listening to God before I go into that, that, that conflict that, I need to, that, that God needs to sort out? But I've got all my things that I need to say. I've got my agenda written out, and I'll spend lots of time doing that. How much time am I listening to the Word of God before coming to those things? When I'm going through the trials, am I spending time hearing from God? We've all heard it. But the reason why we keep telling ourselves this illustration is because we need to hear it over and over again. I think as a young kid in grade one, I was told, how many ears do you have? I'll give you an answer. You can give it back to me. Two. How many mouths do we have? One. So they're saying, let's do double the amount of listening that we do talking, right? And it's a great illustration of saying, yes, I need to hear that every day because I need to listen more than I speak. So the first thing we need to do if we want to grow the fruit of our faith is we need to hear the word. We need to hear Jesus spending time in his word. Maybe I need to hear from Jesus spending time with, with wise counsel, with friends, seeing what word they have for me. I need to spend time hearing from the Lord. Hear the word. What's the second thing that James tells us to do? He says, verse 21 Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. So put away everything that's not of God, all sin, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Now he's directly referring to Jesus. Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, things not of God and sin, and receive with meekness, humility, the implanted word, Jesus which is able to save your souls. Interesting, he's speaking to a Jewish background believers. So they knew the law. They knew they had to do things. 
But then when he says, he says, get away, get rid of your sin. And how many times do we do that? Man, I'm going to do this. I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to stop doing that in my own power, in my own strength. I'm going to stop doing that. Try stop saying that. Try and control this. He says, yes, put it away. But then how do we do it? James tells us, receive Jesus with meekness. Come humbly before him and say, Lord, put your trust in him. Lord, I accept your gospel. I accept your truth. Only in your power and strength can I put this sin away. It is not on us in our strength to be able to put this stuff away. It is through Jesus and the power of his gospel that we are able to overcome destructive filthiness, destructive patterns. We need to receive the word, receive Jesus. We need to hear the word. We need to hear Jesus. We need to receive the word. We need to receive Jesus. And then we come to this interesting passage, the interesting few verses from verse 21, where it says, James essentially says, we need to obey the word or follow the word. So obey or follow Jesus. It's challenging. Let's read this. 22. But be doers of the word. So in other words, follow Jesus and not hearers only. So he says, yes, you need to hear. Definitely hear the word. Listen to God in the morning. Pray. Spend some time on the word. Do that. Definitely. Receive Jesus. Become a Christian. Put your faith in him on a daily basis. Confess. Turn to him once again. Yes. Amen. But then he says, it doesn't end there. Be doers. Be followers of what Jesus did. And what did Jesus do? We're going to check that out later on, verse 26. But then he says this, if you do not do that, if you do not do the word, if you do not follow Jesus, you are like this, verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So James, James actually gives us an illustration, and I'm going to try and bring it home in a little bit of a way that we can maybe understand. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but at shopping malls or places that you go out, they're often kind of, the, uh, the reflection on shop windows is quite strong, so you can almost see yourself, right? And especially I've noticed this around kind of the teenage years, it was very true in my life. So when I'd like just got a new haircut or something like that, I tended to do this. I'd be walking through the shops and I'd look at myself in that window, and look at myself in that window, look at myself in that window, and I keep going and look at myself in that window. And, went, and then you also do it, you see where people are like walking past cars, they're like looking at themselves like that, right? Now, two, two things can be happening here. Either you're saying, yes, I judge people like that, or you are that person, Right? And it's at probably at certain points in your life, you've been one or the other. You're either judging that little punk or you're judging yourself because, or you're loving yourself because you're like, wow, I look good. I look good today. But essentially, when we see people doing that, we're like, you've just seen yourself a second ago. Why are you still fixating on yourself? Right? I mean, it makes no sense. And that's what it's like when, when James says, you're like looking into the word, but you're not letting it do anything to yourself. You're not changing your behavior. You're not letting it transform you. So you're hearing the word, you're receiving it, but it's not, it's not becoming fruit. It's just becoming something. There's no fruit. So we need to hear the word, yes. We need to receive the word, yes, amen. But we need to obey and follow the word, obey and follow Jesus. 
like I say, this really woke me up. Verse 26. So you may think, hey, cool, I'm, I'm hearing the word. Great. I am receiving the word, put my faith in the Lord and Jesus Christ. Amen, doing that. And you know what? I read the word quite a lot and it permeates my life. 26. Maybe you don't struggle with this, but this definitely woke me up. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Man, when I'm stuck in traffic, that is a verse that I need to be thinking about. When I'm tired, that is a verse I need to be thinking about. When it's been a long day and I kind of just want to eat this food and do that kind of thing and I just want to do my thing, that's a verse that I need to be thinking about. Because the tongue is often an indicator of where we're at spiritually. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Strong words. So you may be sitting there thinking, wow, either you're killing it and you've got this figured out and that's great, or you're thinking, wow, I'm feeling pretty low now, Jono. Like, you've told me what I mustn't do. You've told me the things that I'm not doing. I love the Lord Jesus, but what should I be doing? What should I be doing? How can I, how can I follow Lord God? How can I follow him faithfully? How can I be a, a good servant? Well, let's read from verse 27. If we want a pure religion, we want fruits of the faith. This is what it says. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. In order for me to obey and follow Jesus, this is what I need to do. Visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Who's James talking about here? He's talking about those most vulnerable, isolated, pushed out. Even in, in the, 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 the tough times that this community is facing, there are, there are those who are facing a worse time. Even in our trials, there are those that are struggling even more than us. And so he says, go to them. Go visit them. Go love them. Go serve them. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. This is what Jesus did. To visit the orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So you may say, hey, John, yes. Jesus did address the widow, definitely. Definitely we have to address the widow. In fact, Luke's gospel, we know that he, he kind of, um, he honors the widow for giving everything that she had. He lifts her up in, 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 uh, amongst his followers. He says, this woman has given everything she's had. So he honors her. He honors the widow. And in fact, he, he speaks against the Pharisees uh, a bit later on who are abusing the widows. And he, and he, and he confronts that. And he tells his, his disciples, that, no, no, that's what, what we should not should be doing. We should be honoring the widows. But so you say, but well, when did he visit orphans? Because if we're following Jesus' example, and James is telling us to follow Jesus' example, when did he specifically visit orphans? I'd like to take you to Ephesians 5.1. And a good friend of this church, Dr. Tony Merida, he, he did a talk on, on this, and this is what he says. So it's Ephesians 5 verse 1, and a great way of remembering this, Ephesians 1 verse 5. So Ephesians 5 verse 1, he says, cannot be separated from Ephesians 1 verse 5. 
So this is what Ephesians 5 verse 1 says. It says, therefore, be imitators of God. Similarly to James, do the word, do Jesus, follow Jesus. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. That's Ephesians 5 1. Ephesians 1 5 says this. He, being God, predestined us for adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Church, I've got news for you today. There are no natural children in the kingdom of God. There are no grandchildren in the kingdom of God. You say, so when did Jesus go to the orphans? Jesus came to the orphans when he came to this earth and laid down his life for me and for you and for everyone who believed in him. That is when Jesus went to the orphans. And so in the same way that Jesus did that, we need to be doing that. Tony, Dr. Tony Reader says this. He says, we adopt and we go to the orphan not because of biology, but because of theology. We go to the vulnerable in society not because of biology, because of theology, because Jesus did it for us. So, what do we do? I don't want to make this just a, a social justice sermon, but I, I don't feel like we would do justice to the text, and I don't feel like we'd be justice, do justice to what we're being called to as a church if I didn't address some of the practical ways that we as a people can go to the orphan. And uh, consulted a, a, a friend and family in this church who, who are passionate about adoption, who are passionate about caring for orphans. And this is what my brother sent me. He said, these are the things that we can do, church. Because we say, hey, yeah, no, it's for some, it's not for me. No, 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 James makes it pretty clear that it's for all of us. That's what Jesus did. That's what we need to be doing. And so these are some of the things that we can do to visit the orphan. We can pray. Start small. Support good organizations. We can speak up. Be the voice to the voiceless. We can speak up for widows and orphans. We can support the functional fatherless. We can go be spiritual fathers to those without. And mothers, of course. We can do foster care. We can sponsor. We can give care to those who do adopt. We can train leaders. We can fund. We can visit people. We can share the gospel. We can share the gospel with non-believers. We can fight trafficking. We can use our vocation for the good of the orphan or ask how we can leverage our privilege and our vocation for the good of others. We can love people. And we can be engaged in the life of the church, the active life of the church. As a church, we're going to be stepping up some of these things as we go into the next few months. And I'd urge you to pray about and think about ways that you can visit the orphan and the widow as we come into that season. Because you see, church, James says we need to be set apart right at the end of, his, of the text today. He says we need to be set apart. Visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. In other words, be set apart, be holy like Jesus was. And if we want to be set apart and holy, then we need to do those things. 
and we can testify to God's goodness and glory in our lives. Those things will set us apart. Now, maybe you're a skeptic. Maybe you're not even a Christian. Maybe you come here today and be like, ah, I don't really know. My time's pretty full. So then I'm just going to give you a bit of a science fact. A Harvard study said that not only does volunteering improve your psychological health, and as Christians, we believe that it's going to improve your spiritual health, for sure. But actually, there's a physical benefit to volunteering as well. So even if you're just here today and saying, hey, listen, I just want to improve my life, even then, volunteering is for you. Even then, going to the orphan and going to the widow is for you. And so where am I at now? I'll be honest with you, church. Man, I came back tired this week. Apparently, I had to, uh, it's every, for every time zone, you need, to take six, you need to take a day. So I crossed seven time zones. Tomorrow, I'll be back to normal. But you know what happens when we're tired and we've been doing things and pride grows? We focus on ourselves. And I can testify to that. We focus on ourselves. What am I not getting? Who's not visiting me? Why are people not doing this for me? Why am I not getting a call? Why am I not being cared for? In my trials, don't people know what I'm going through? Why am I not being cared for? Why aren't people making priority out of me? I do it for everyone else. I'm not hearing the word in those times. I'm certainly not receiving the word. And I can tell you for sure I'm not doing the word. I don't know what trials you're facing. I certainly don't. I know that there are incredible struggles at this moment in this church. We have a privilege of being able to pray, but I can tell you we have an, an inkling of what's going on, but I don't think we know the full extent of, of the struggles and trials that people face. But God is faithful, as Mfundo said. God is faithful. It is well because Jesus is in the midst of the storm. He's in the fire with us. And as Jesus went through the biggest, biggest trial that he faced, he did it to serve us. He served. Even in his trial, he served. And I believe, Rooted Fellowship, that's what he's calling us to do today, to serve, to love others, to visit others, to be there for others. Because when we do that, we stop to think about ourselves. And we begin to pr produce the fruit of the faith. I'll end it with this. One of my favorite movies growing up, so, so this will reflect my age again. Some of you may know it. One of the greatest movies of all time, in my opinion, Shawshank Redemption. Anyone seen it? Yes. We are a very young church. So Shawshank Redemption, one of the greatest movies. What is it about? Essentially, it's about these prisoners, some of whom are wrongfully accused, some of whom were brought up in very difficult circumstances and so turned to a life of crime. But they go to one of the most grueling prisons in America. And so they face all sorts of atrocities, of course. They are facing external struggles, for sure. They're facing persecution. They're facing daily struggles. They're facing internal struggles, for sure. And uh, Red, the main character, Morgan Freeman's character, says this. He says, in Shawshank Prison, you've got one choice. You've got a choice. So you may know this. He says, you've got one choice. Get busy living or get busy dying. Get busy living, get busy dying. 
I'll extend it. I'll say get busy living for the gospel, church. We've got a choice. Let's get busy living for the gospel, living out the gospel. Or let's get busy dying because of our sin. Because sin does lead to death. Let's get busy listening first, receiving Jesus on a daily basis, receiving his grace. Let's get busy examining our own hearts, reading his word and seeing how does this reflect on me. Lord, what are you saying to me? Let's get busy holding our tongues. Let's get busy visiting the vulnerable. Or we have another choice. Get busy speaking too much, too loudly, too quickly. Get busy being angry. Continuing being angry. Continue ignoring people. Continue ignoring God's word. Continue swearing. Continue focusing on yourself. Continue to die in sin. We have a choice. Get busy living or get busy dying. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you for your word. We praise you for the fact that your word is eternal, it is true, and it reflects your glory. And Lord, at the same time, it speaks to us. Lord, we are a broken people facing internal and external trials. Lord, we are sinful flesh who need you, Lord God. We cry out to you in this moment, Lord Jesus Christ, and saying we need you. We need to hear from you. We need to receive you. Lord God, fill us up so that we can follow you and obey you. Lord, I thank you for the testimonies of the people in this church who are following you, who are obeying you, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord, in the midst of their trials as they do that, it is such a testimony of your grace and of your love and of your glory in this world. I thank you, Lord, that it does point people to you. And Lord, I ask right now that, that you, would, you would move amongst us, Lord God, that you would prompt those to put their faith in you, to receive your grace, Lord, to receive your daily grace, and to become a follower of Jesus Christ. And Lord, for those of us who have known you, for, who, have, who have walked with you for long, Lord God, or for, 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 even for, for some time, Lord God, I pray, Lord, that you would impress upon us the need for your word, that you would impress upon us the need to follow and to go, Lord God, where you went, to be your hands and feet in this city, in this nation, and in this world, Lord God. Lord, we pray forgiveness for the times that we focused on ourselves, we thought all about ourselves. And Lord God, that we've taken our eyes off of you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that in you it is indeed well. It is indeed well. We pray that we may go out from this place, be your church, go be, visit orphans, go be your people to widows, Lord God, to the vulnerable in our society. We pray for changed lives through this time. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty, holy name. Amen. So at Root of Fellowship, we always end our service with a good a benediction, which, as you know, is a good word. And so we invite you to link hands as as we represent that we are one body here together.
We are unified. We are one. And as we do that, we're going we're gonna to say, uh, say something that is linked to the text today. And we're going to say it together. So I invite you to, to read it up on the screen with me. And say this to one another. And pray, pray it in your hearts as we go out together. Go out and be doers of the word. Cleanse your, your hearts of the pollution. Be quick to listen and learn. Welcome the word that God implants in you. And bring it to birth in acts of righteousness and compassion. And may God pour grace upon you and bless you forever. May Christ Jesus reveal to you the truth of God's ways. And may the Holy Spirit fill your life with passion and love. We go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ, amen. Amen, amen. Go in peace. Have a blessed week. Please remember that if you would like prayerful assistance, we are at the front.